This is the Meet Me for Coffee podcast. It's Meet Me for Coffee, and we got a doctor here, Dr. Ben Galliard, um, all the way from Colorado. He is part of the F8 Well Centers. Um, he specializes in uh, lots of things, autoimmune disease, ADHD, gut health, um, you know, depression, blood sugar, thyroid, and he's a world-recognized speaker in brain regeneration, neurofeedback, um, and I would say Hashimoto's disease he speaks about on his popular TikTok show, and what? Well, there's more things. He's an author as well. He has a, a book called Blood Sugar Doesn't Lie. Thanks, Ben, for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, ironically, I don't drink coffee. And uh, and so, you know, meet me for coffee. What You know, that could be maybe tea, something, something yeah. like that. Well, tell me tell me a reason why coffee is good for you. Yeah. You know, and, and that's the thing. I love this. Uh, have you played with the AI software much? No, I haven't. No, you know what I'm talking about? chat gpt yeah yeah so uh you, if you went in there you could you could write uh make an article about the amazing benefits of coffee and you'd have this huge article and then you'd go make me an article about how horrible coffee for you is and you'd have this amazing article and and so you know it, it, it's that way with so many alcohol you know is it good is it bad you know you, you can probably find good uh good things about smoking you know they used to smoke when they were uh doing the tour de france you know well absolutely uh you know even do blood transfusions too. So, uh, uh, whatever. <laughs> well, I, I know, I know black coffee is, you know, somewhat good for you. And I would recommend to many people just drink it that way, uh, just because you get the real taste and uh, the purity of it, right? So, I mean, sure. when you start, start adding all these like creams, like milk's okay. Um, yeah. Although I, I read that milk is not supposed to be actually, you know, digested. It's not really even really good for you anymore, right? Milk's so. great for a baby cow, you know, but. Um, but here, here's a, a couple good things that you guys listening out there can put into your coffee. You can actually do some MCT oil or coconut oil. A lot of benefit to that uh, for your brain, preventing Alzheimer's, stabilizing blood sugar. Uh, Grass-fed butter is another one. You can get um, get that at a lot of different stores. Uh, even Costco and some of the bigger, bigger boxes have grass-fed butter. And those fats are going to be very nourishing to the brain and, and power your brain throughout the day. Hey, this is great. Um, you know, I tried doing the bullet coffee thing for a bit. Um, I was doing keto. I believe in keto. I've done it before. You know, you lose like 30 pounds in the first two weeks, which is absolutely crazy. Um, but you got to keep it going. And once you get off the bandwagon, you know, I think you gain like three times the amount back. Right. So um, what are some, you know, reasons that your diet is failing like i know you have a top five reason board of what you stand by why your diet's failing um for those listening right now and watching uh, what are what are your 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 what's your consensus doctor yeah you know when you think about diet uh a, a lot of things go into it so some people 
it's just that they're not even thinking about it, right? They're just going through their day, stumbling through their day and like, you know what? I like Lucky Charms cereal and, you know, a Jimmy John's sub sounds good today and then a Totino's pizza for dinner and whatever. I, I, I don't care. You know, maybe I'll throw a couple beers in with it. And and they're like so checked out of, of what food does to their life. So there's that that side of it. Um, then there's uh, then then you get into the people that are like, you know what? I, I want to do some good things. And they're thinking and they're trying and then they, you know, try a keto diet and then they try a paleo diet. And like my mom, she did a grapefruit diet and a cabbage diet and, you know, all these different things. And so then they start dabbling and they, they think that like this newfangled magic thing is going to fix it for them. And, and how long did you make it on keto, George, when you were, uh, I did it for like close to three months and yeah. Yeah. And then what? I, I, you know, I I realized that I could actually still, I was trying not to have any sugar, right? You're not supposed to. Um, Sure. Found out mustard's fantastic. Hot sauce. I really love. So I use that on everything. Um, But I learned, I learned a lot about, about food, right? Yeah. And what I do now um, is do the, uh, I have this app called the zero app. And you do, uh, it's basically fasting, right? So intermittent fasting. Um, usually on the weekends, kind of lay off a bit. Maybe I shouldn't. Um, or um, I tell people about it. They're like, oh, I don't want to starve myself. It's like, it's not, breakfast is not a solid thing where you have to wake up and eat right away, right? Fasting is about eating when you are hungry, right? That's that's what I think it, it, it's about. I've seen some results. I feel better. Sure. Um, of course, you know, I ate, you know, a bunch of pancakes before I you know came down here to the studio to talk to you. Um, and my head's kind of flying right now, but, you know, <laughs> you're going to crack and get a little sleepy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I was like, you know, I, I tried taking a bit of a nap and it's like, it's not working, you know, with the coffee. Um, just because I'm not used to it, right? I'm not used to eating sure. breakfast and stuff, right? Yeah. Um, um, it's called breakfast break fast um what's what's your what's your 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 uh, angle on uh, fasting well he, here's where we go then and then you get people that you know need to be doing something with their diet but they don't know what to do and they don't know physiologically what their body needs and so here's the deal not everybody should be intermittent fasting not everybody should be or needs to be doing keto not everybody Definitely not everybody should be vegetarian or vegan um, or uh, what the meatitarian, you know, the uh, snout to tail. You know, that's all they eat now is just nothing but yeah, there's all these extremes. So it's really individualized. And, and that's what you know, at F8, that's what we do is let's get figured out what you need to be doing. You know, maybe you do need to be taking the weekend off of your keto diet and doing that. Or maybe you should be doing keto for like six weeks and then the next eight weeks just do kind of a modified paleo. Because even if you look back at like 10,000 years ago, you know, was anyone ever keto 12 months out of the year? Did he, you know, 12 months out of the year, did people intermittent fast? every single day for 12 months out of the year. No, I guarantee you when it was harvest time, when berries were in season, everything, you know, that they were, they were eating 
as much as they could getting ready for winter or, or whatever it is. So that's where it's more individualized. When you think about intermittent fasting, one of the persons that they're the people that I will not recommend it to are the ones that are already adrenal fatigued. So the adrenals are stress glands. If you've heard of cortisol, they respond to jobs and cars and kids and COVID and presidents and gas prices and whatever you want to stress about, but they also respond to blood sugar going down. So when you get hypoglycemic, so this is what happens. You eat your pancakes and then you go and it pulls you down and then you get hypoglycemic and you get hangry, tired, spacey, all of those things. The adrenals kick in and they tell the liver to release glucose and then you've got sugar floating around, but you've also got this adrenaline. So for some people that are already adrenal dysfunction, every time that blood sugar goes down, adrenals, adrenals, adrenals. And so intermittent fasting might not be good for them. Yeah. I mean, also like, what should I do then to go work out after this? Or what do you recommend? Like, is is, is that great? Yeah. So every one of our, our patients wears, it goes on the back of your arm. It's this little patch. It's called a continuous glucose monitor. And so we're, we are able to see 24 seven, what somebody's blood sugar is doing. And for years we did little fingerprint glucose monitoring and you do it 45, 60 minutes after a meal and just try to catch it when it's going high. But now you see that whole spike, you see that whole crash middle of the night, everything. And so what we're looking at is if we can tell what that blood sugar is doing, then you're going to get a lot better idea of if you should be intermittent fasting. So if your blood sugar is starting to go down in the morning and you're, you're kind of like, oh man, seventies. And then, you know, you're whipping your adrenals a little bit uh, too much to do that. And you should probably do a little bit of eating before that. But here's who should be intermittent fasting. If somebody's insulin resistant, if they're pre-diabetic or diabetic, they've got excess glucose floating around in the body, that's a great time to intermittent fast. But if you're if you have this excess glucose, the best muscle to be exercising to pull glucose out of the bloodstream is actually called your soleus. Uh, it's right next to your big calf muscle, your gastroc. And so if you, uh, do you ever jump rope? Not so, for a long time, man. No. So you don't have a jump rope. So you're going to use your imaginary jump rope. And if you feel that blood sugar, if you go and have some big old Boston cream pie and it's just, you know, your blood sugar spiking up, you do some imaginary jump rope for you know, 30, 60 seconds, fire off those calf muscles, and you're actually going to pull glucose out of the bloodstream from the that muscle contraction. That's why even going for a walk after a after a meal that might have a little bit more sugar to it is beneficial. Getting on the on the stationary bike and just kind of if you got a Peloton or whatever and just doing a little bit of little bit of spinning on there can help pull that blood sugar down. What about people who like drinking their beer? Like what are they what's a good alternative to that? Yeah, you know that again, you almost have to test your blood sugar to see what's going to be better for you that way, because some people wine's going to be okay. Some people whiskey's going to be okay. Some people, you know, I, I know for me, I could have a little snort of tequila with some bubbly water and you know, I, my blood sugar is totally fine with that. So if I wanted to drink something, it would probably be that. That was one thing I liked about keto. I could drink tequila. Um, yeah. There you go. <laughs> you know, you've, you, you think that like filling up a little little glass of ice and you know, all the way to the top of the tequila would like 
just completely rip you but like it it you know it's it's actually i think it's good for you tequila in some way shape or form again we can find an article that will say it's good for you yeah we'll, we'll have to write one after this and then see what uh, chad gbt says maybe the reference is conversation um you know there are many things you specialize in i, I know gut health is um Tell us the one thing about gut health. Like what, what does someone need to have in their stomach um, to, you know, have great gut health and what are some things you, you shouldn't put in your body? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, gut, if you think about gut and this is where we, it's really, again, this, this concept that is foreign to a lot of people besides just, Oh, my gut hurts. My stomach hurts. Well, the stomach is that first organ that you get to. You've got your pipe coming down. It goes into the stomach. The stomach goes into the small intestine, which is like 20 feet long. And then it goes into the large intestine. And then you excrete your your waste out at that end. And so, you know, the gut is this really long. If you spread it out the entire uh, the entire digestive tract, spread it out as flat as possible, it would cover almost an entire tennis court. So tons of surface area. We, we have a potential to absorb nutrients. And then we also have a potential to bring things in before they're supposed to. So whether that's a pathogen, whether that's a food allergen, whether that's something that hasn't been broken down well enough, and that's what we term leaky gut. So with leaky gut, that's where if you have autoimmune, almost guaranteed there's some type of intestinal permeability where you're allowing things into the bloodstream too early, the immune system is revving up, and then you're basically, instead of coming with a, a BB gun, you get out your bazooka and you blow up a squirrel. And you're like, holy cow, why, why'd you blow up? a squirrel with a bazooka because well, I could. And so you got this excess response. So, you know, some of the basic things that can really trash that gut, uh, we've got antibiotics. So if you've been on more than a couple rounds of antibiotics in your life, you need to be supplementing with some type of probiotic off and on and changing, changing the strains on a regular basis. Uh, if you have been taking a lot of what are called NSAIDs, ibuprofen, Advil, Tylenol, um, aspirin. If you take one aspirin, you lose a cc of blood from your digestive tract every time you do that. That's one cubic centimeter. So, you know, and you're like, oh, it's just a little aspirin. But hey, you just bled out of your of your gut a little bit. Um, chronic- Advil, Advil, and aspirin. So aspirin is actually the worst um, for that. But yes, uh, Advil, Tylenol. Uh, aspirin uh all of those are going to cause irritation to that gut lining and and this is only for a leaky gut or is it just for in general across the board you know if if you do that if you take one of those it not only that but ibuprofen and those also have a liver effect as well (laughs) especially if you take it with a shot of tequila too yeah well um sometimes it's just better just to nurse a hangover with another drink in the morning just to it helps you feel a lot better and now now that i know that about you know advil and aspirin and stuff i probably will never ever take that again um you know we're talking about autoimmune diseases um Mm -hmm. sometimes when things are kind of going wrong especially with your gut or inside your body your body i've read in the past that your body shows uh signs of an autoimmune disease it could be warts it could be like you know planters warts or whatever like that um does that go with diet as well the like gut health and like people's like uh, you know if they develop rashes and stuff like that uh, um but does that have to do with your diet as well absolutely um do you have kids george 
Absolutely. Okay. Uh, did your kids ever have eczema when they were little? Yes. My, my son, when he was, uh, you know, at, at the beginning. Yes. Yep. So a lot of kids, they'll get you know, in their creases, elbows, behind the knees, things like that. And then we kind of outgrow those. Um, eczema is actually an immune response. It's it's the body getting revved up and it's usually some type of food. So if mom's nursing, it could even be something that mom's eating. Uh, it could be you know some food we're, we're introducing. If you're using some type of a formula, it could be from the uh, cow's milk or the, the goat milk, whatever is that. So, um, yes, there are things that we have to look for. And skin is one of those first ones. If And a lot of adults get eczema too. You know, they'll get patches on their face or their hands or different things. And that is almost think about that as a pre-autoimmune. That if you keep going down this path that you're going down, it will turn into an autoimmune. And the thing with autoimmune is that the average person that has one has multiple. And so on my TikTok uh, page, we've got over 225,000 followers now. And so we get a lot of a lot of comments, a lot of people. And so I'll be like, hey, put down how many autoimmune conditions you have. And, you know, they'll say two, three, four, five. And, and people nowadays, you know, it is not uncommon to have multiple autoimmune conditions because it's the same thought process. The body's attacking its own tissue and it could go anywhere. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, a thyroid issue is very common. You hear women talking about it's my thyroid. This is why I'm gaining weight. And up until maybe, you know, five years ago when my my cousin actually had the same kind of issue, he had a thyroid surgery, um, you know, it wasn't his thyroid. Uh, um, He has a... You talk about is it Hashimoto's disease that you, you speak about? Yes. Is it is it because the the thyroid is always it's really commonly di- misdiagnosed that that that, that issue right? Um, talk Absolutely. about Hashimoto's disease and why it's important to, to maybe bring that up in, in a world where the thyroid is such a big issue and, and uh, there's such a big like, uh, space of room that it's misdiagnosed and. Absolutely. So yeah, here, just to kind of go down, here's some of the top autoimmune conditions around the world, the, some of the top, top six or seven here. We've got Crohn's, we've got lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, uh, we've got celiac disease, type 1 diabetes. There, And then number one on that is Hashimoto's. So the number one, and this is in the U.S. and Canada, uh, the number one autoimmune condition is Hashimoto's. And it's really important to start there because another thing I'll ask I'll ask people when I'm on social media and and engaging is like, hey, tell me what you're taking for Hashimoto's. And and they put down probably what your cousin was given, levothyroxine, Synthroid, you know, some type of a thyroid medication. But a thyroid medication is only thyroid hormone replacement. So if you went in and you told your doc, hey, doc, I want to lose weight. Uh, I'm, I'm going on keto. But look, my testosterone's low. Can I get a shot? Can you give me some kind of a cream? You know, that's what thyroid medication is. It's just like taking testosterone, but you're taking thyroid hormone. So here we go. We have the number one most common autoimmune disease is Hashimoto's. The number one most prescribed medication in the United States is levothyroxine, which is T4 
thyroid hormone. So we're taking levothyroxine to try to help an autoimmune? No, all they're doing is they're giving you the levothyroxine because your thyroid hormones are low, but you still have autoimmune. So my mom, my mom had MS. Uh, she ended up going in a wheelchair, had a cane, um, went on all the meds. And uh, th- thank God she was able to uh, find a doc that way back 20 years ago went through this process of healing, healing her up. And she gave away her cane, got off all the meds. She just turned 80 last week. She no longer has MS. It'd be like if that doctor said, hey, you have Hashimoto's or, or uh, that we give levothyroxine to, but you have MS. We're going to give you levothyroxine for your MS or your rheumatoid arthritis or your lupus or, or whatever. And you'd be like, well, that's weird. Why, why would I want thyroid hormone for an autoimmune? And it's the same thing with Hashimoto's is that they're basically giving you a thyroid hormone replacement and, and expecting the Hashimoto's to not get worse or not, or to just go away or whatever. And that's the important part is that no one truly has ever been treated for Hashimoto's in the traditional medical model because they don't give them prednisone. $10,000 a month, Humira, methotrexate, which is low-dose chemo, all these other autoimmune drugs. Wow. <laughs> and we also talk about, you know, brain regeneration. That we can talk about that forever. Um, you're you're worldly, globally recognized in this field. Uh, neurofeedback, brain regeneration. You're specializing in so many different things. Sure. Um, but this is pretty cool. Um, yeah. So... Yeah, just like about everything in my life, it's been, hey, we, I gotta, I gotta help somebody. I gotta help my wife. I gotta help my mom. You know, all these things. So my, uh, my second son, I've got four boys. My second son, uh, when when he was, was about first grade, he fell off this four foot high wall, hit his head, had a full blown concussion. And, uh, and then from there started going downhill in school, acting out, um, throwing things at the dinner table, just like really took a, a, a left-hand turn there that we're like, holy cow, this is not, not where we want to go, go down this path. I'd seen enough patients over the years. And I'm like, I got four boys. There's no way I'm going to spend an hour a night helping him with his homework, all these things. So as we started looking into, okay, what, what can we do? Neurofeedback was one of those things that came up is like, Hey, this can help with concussions can help with ADD, all these things. So we're like, okay, let's bring it in, start using it and try it out on my, on my kid, you know, might as well experiment on your family. Right. And so we, uh, we went down this, this path of working with him on his brain. And so what neurofeedback does is for, there's two phases to it. One, we do a brain map, figure out where the brain is out of balance. And we can, we can tell that the FDA actually approved it as a diagnostic tool for ADD, but we can tell ADD, anxiety, depression, insomnia, uh, Asperger's, Alzheimer's, autism, all types of different things you can see in a brain map. And then we treat based off that brain map, we start to train the brain waves to go slower or go faster, depending on where they're out of balance. So ADD is going to be hard time focusing, easy time daydreaming. You know, that's that, th- those two things you add them up and you're like, Oh, no wonder I didn't like school. And so our goal is to give them more focus wave and less daydreaming dreaming wave and get them into a good balance. 
so we started doing with this with him and he went from you know getting kicked out of the classroom at school to being the star of the class and the teacher would have him pass things out and uh he's 16 years old now and gets straight a's his room is is uh, perfect it's like almost too uh, austere i'm like it kind of feels like prison in here you could be a little messy and uh uh and you know it totally different different person than it would have been if we had not gone down this path. So that's been fun. You know, you were able to see ADD, uh, anxiety, huge changes there. People's brains can calm down, get out of this fight or flight pattern. Uh, we can see uh, so many. I had a four-year-old girl last year with autism, nonverbal. And within three months, she's running down the hallway, talking, uh, telling stories and no other, nothing else were they doing besides neurofeedback that changed that in her little brain. So pretty cool stuff. This is pretty interesting because, uh, you know, you, you do everything for your kids, right? And it's good to hear that, you know, it all started with, with him, with your son. And, you know, it's something that you want to hear, like, you know, helping people with these, these, you know, ADHD you know, ADD and stuff like that and, you know, concussions and stuff. Now, when we talk about the, the effect it has on the brain, does food, like, is there any food like that you can think of that actually has an effect on that? Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, there's, there's things that can be negative for the brain and things that can be positive for the brain. Uh, one of the big ones I look at is they call Alzheimer's type three diabetes. I don't know if you've heard that, but, uh, but it's, you know, we've got type one, the autoimmune type two, that's because you're eating and drinking all the bad stuff. And then type three, what we see that the longer and higher the glucose and insulin is, the more degeneration the brain has. So for one thing, stabilizing your blood sugar, 85 to 110 all day, every day is a very good thing to do. Um, that's why we've incorporated blood sugar monitoring with all of our patients. Uh, for another, when you start thinking about food dyes, uh, like red dyes and, and all those things in, in different foods, those have stimulating effect and irritating effect to the brain. Any of the artificial sweeteners, not uh, not like monk fruit and, and things like that, but or stevia, but uh, things like aspartame and a lot of those artificial sweeteners sweeteners are known neurotoxins. So if, if you're giving your kids things with those diet, diet sweeteners in them, those are going to mess with brain. And, and as an adult, you know, you need to be aware of that as well. So uh, absolutely, there are things besides sugar, there are things that are going to be more stimulatory and irritating to those kids' brains and create more of this ADD and just inability to focus and, and things like that. Yeah, I, I watched somebody, you know, break down the contents in Pedialyte and for such a big name. You'd think that'd be good for you. Um, right. What, what's what's something to give my child or someone who's, uh, you know, suffering with dehydration um, yeah. or, you know, needs something like that to get their electrolytes yeah. up? So super easy. Uh, uh, sea salt is a great place to start. My favorite brand is uh, Celtic Sea Salt, the Grain and Salt Society. And uh, it's going to be way cheaper than Pedialyte or Gatorade or Powerade or any of those. And so you take uh, for an average size person, you take uh, half a teaspoon to a teaspoon, put it into water. You can put a little lemon juice or you know a little flavoring in there so they're not just drinking ocean water. Um, and you, you just start drinking that down. And so way, way cheaper. And it's got 
real nutrients. The Celtic sea salt has over 80 electrolytes and minerals in it and no artificial flavorings, no none of the other crap that they put in there. Uh, MSG, well, you're like, oh, I heard MSG is bad. Why do they use that? Well, it, it enhances flavor. You know, but it also causes inflammation and a lot of other issues. Um, you know, then then you look at the artificial sweeteners. Well, somebody's eating an Atkins keto bar, right? And they 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 don't want it to taste like cardboard. And so they're like, okay, well, what are we going to do? We're going to put some artificial sweetener in there. And, uh, and then they're going to do that. The other is that it's cheap. You know, a lot of these, a lot of these things are, are waste products, byproducts of other, other manufacturing of different foods and different things. And so they're like, okay, Hey, you know, we, we can put this in. I mean, obviously in, in corporate America, it comes down to profitability. And if you can do something at eight cents per pound versus one cent per pound, you know, what, what's, what's the company going to do? I'm inviting you back for another episode. We're going to focus even more on health and blood sugar. And by the way, check out Dr. Ben's website, f8wellcenters.com. And he has a book on there that you can also download for free. Sugar doesn't lie. And you know what? I think the older you get, the more you prioritize your health. Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what it comes down to is uh, you, you start start feeling it. And, and, and here's the deal. I always say we see just as many teens and 20-something-year-olds as we do 50 and 60 year olds. And, and it's interesting, age doesn't really matter anymore. You know, we see people breaking down in their teens and twenties, just like people in their forties and fifties. So, um, you know, it, it really is just a, okay, I feel bad. I'm not the best mom, spouse, uh, friend, whatever that I could be. And, and, and life just kind of sucks right now. So what are we going to do different? And, and that's where I think, I think even COVID really brought that out where people were just like, okay, who's dying from COVID? Well, it's a lot of the sick people, a lot of the old people, a lot of the people with diabetes, a lot of people with high blood pressure, all these things. And, and like, okay, well, I probably don't want to be like that. If that, if you're going to be more likely to die <laughs> just in general. We live in the world of misinformation when it comes to health, really, sometimes, possibly. Now, when you're researching about things, how do you know if it's true? Like, where do you look to verify about what action you're supposed to take in any medical instance like COVID? Yeah, absolutely. So there, uh, there's PubMed and there's some different uh, different sources that have a bunch of research articles and just like the coffee one that we were talking about earlier, you can go in and you can find research articles that show coffee's good for you. Coffee's bad for you. Um, and then you, you have to look at that and go, okay, who's funding this research? You know, that's the thing. And, and even like an NBC article, you know, they'll be talking about a study. And a lot of times they will say who funded that research. And so you go, okay, well, it, you know, is this the pharmace- pharmaceutical company funding it? Is it, you know, a coffee grower funding it? You know, who, who's funding that? So then you have to put on your thinking cap and go go through there. Um, yeah. So it, it as a consumer, it is very challenging. And it, in the in the States, we've got health food stores or supplement stores where you go in and there might be like 40 rows of supplements and all these different things. And so, you know, it is, it is challenging to be like, Oh my gosh, I I read about uh, melatonin for sleep. 
and there's eight different ones here and which one do I take and and how do you know and so that's the big challenge is knowing what to take and when to take and how much to take and it can be overwhelming and so that's where that that's where F8 comes in you know if someone's just looking for general health and like hey I want a multivitamin or I want to take some glucosamine chondroitin because my joints are hurting whatever it is you know that's fine but if somebody's got full blown autoimmune if they've got uh, you know bad gut issues whatever and they just walk in there th- then it's kind of dabbling and you're just like trying things and grabbing off the shelf and, and all of that so you know you if you are doing some research really look who is funding that research and then um and then just try to to get a variety of of voices coming in hey thank you for listening to this episode of meet me for coffee if you liked what you heard please subscribe share the podcast and follow us on all our social media pages you can check out meetmeforcoffee.co for more information until next time friends